Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. If you've got your Bibles this morning, open them up. Uh, 2 Corinthians is where I want to share from this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to preach and share a message uh, jars of clay, jars of clay. Uh, we're going to be down, we're going to start down around verse 5, 6, some, somewhere in there here in just a moment. Are any of you treasure hunters? I'm, I'm just curious. Anybody here a treasure hunter? Any, anybody here like garage sales, not just because you get some? All right, so we got some great garage sale lovers. How about antiquers? Any antiquers here? You like to hit the, the antiques, the and, and is it that, you know, some people just go to garage sales because they like the inexpensive clothes and stuff like that, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. But some like because they're looking for the treasure. They're looking for that thing that's worth $1,000. There, there was a, um, an auction up in northern Indiana. This wasn't a garage sale. It was an auction in northern Indiana, and they were just selling. You, you ever go to those things? There's just boxes of just miscellaneous stuff and junk. And a guy went in and bought a box of just metal pieces and pieces and parts, and he got home and pulled out like a, it was a Colt revolver that was of like that initial era that was worth thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. He paid like 10 bucks for this box of stuff and found that revolver in there. Anybody, anybody like that? I, a few of you. Yeah. Ruthie uh, came home. Uh, Our kids were, Austin and Kylie were down with the baby and Matt and Brittany were over Friday and Saturday for a bit. And Ruthie came home and she'd been out shopping and she bought a tea canister and uh matt and Brittany are treasure hunters and they said mom do you know what that's worth and she said well i know i paid 16.99 for it 12 she says i know i paid 12.99 for it she they said no that thing is help me out here ruthie that is a what's the what's the name that's a ray dunn tea canister and those are going for a lot of money right now and I'm thinking okay she paid $12.99 it's worth $15 maybe and 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 I said how much is it worth because she's like well I'm not giving up my tea canister and and they said well it could be like a hundred or a hundred and fifty dollars I said sold matter of fact where did you get that we're gonna because here's what i'm thinking all right here's what i got going through my head all right i'm doing the math because then they're telling us there's all this stuff out there made by this company that you can buy it they're buying it for like now you got to get the right stuff i found out there was more to it than just go buy it off the shelf but you know you buy it for 12.99 and you can immediately sell it for 30 dollars. and i'm thinking you know roughly that's a hundred percent profit and i'm investing in my 401k hoping to get eight percent a year why am I doing that? I'm just going to, I told Ruthie, cancel out the 401k. We're going to go buy Ray Dunn stuff and sell it on eBay and retire in three years and move to Hawaii or something. I don't know. I don't encourage you to do that. I'm joking. I got to add that because somebody will sue me, <laughs> especially with the online church here in a little bit. And it, you like treasures? I like, I like treasures. And Paul in, in first, or Second Corinthians, he, he talks about treasures down in verse 5 and 6 and 7. He says, and this is how he describes the treasure that we have as Christians. He said, what we proclaim is Jesus Christ is Lord. For God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We have a treasure, folks. We have the treasure of 
oh man, there's so many ways I could go with. We have the treasure of a relationship with the God that created all things. We have the treasure of the knowledge that we have eternity beyond this life. We have, we have the treasure that we know our sins are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. We, we have a, a treasure, and frankly, sometimes we almost stumble on it as randomly as Ruthie did her tea jar, but we have a treasure that is just amazing. And then he goes on in verse 7, though, and he says this. We have this treasure. We all hold this treasure, but he says we have this treasure in jars of clay. Any of you guys ever touched or held a, a jar of clay, uh, a, a kind of a clay pot? We, when we were in Arizona at the Grand Canyon, we picked up some uh, pots, some pottery that were made by the Navajo. Uh, and they're just really, you pick them up and you can almost feel like if you just scratched them, they would come off. And if you dropped them, you know they would shatter. They're just very, they're pretty fragile, okay? Um, he says, we have this treasure. You have this treasure. I have this treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I, I told you our kids were down. Gage is my grandson. He's 10. 11. He's 11 now. Um, I remember five years ago, I, they were all down for, for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And so Austin would have been 22 at the time, I think. And um, we got to wrestling. Guys tend to do that. And we got to just rough housing in the living room. And Austin was 22, so five years ago I would have been 49. And um, I felt pretty good because I actually took him to the floor and pinned him. I think I hurt his feelings, but I did. Now, in fairness, you know, it lasted about 10 seconds because I got a really good move on him. And if it had gone 20 seconds, it would have ended completely different. But... We'll never tell him that, okay? Uh, but I did. I was able to, I was able to handle my 22-year-old, and it was great. Well, this past Friday, Gage and, the, you know, he's there. Gage is 11, and me and Gage are standing at the counter getting food together. And like any good grandfather, I pushed him. I gave him an elbow. That's what grandfathers do. I don't need no sissy. And like any good grandson, you know what he did? He turned around and came at me, right? And he grabbed me, and he's 11. And I, so we went into this little wrestling thing in the kitchen. And uh, I know Ruthie's over there thinking, oh, man, what are you guys, stop. What are you guys doing? But so we, we go into this. So I'm wrestling with my 11-year-old grandson now. And I didn't tell him this, and you all don't tell him this either. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I, didn't, I, I got into that about five seconds. It's like, I'm not sure this is going to end the way I think it's going to end. He grabbed me and my back started hurting. He wasn't even squeezing. He just, gra- he just touched me and my back started hurting. I'm like, what in the world? So I, I'm like, okay, I, if I'm lucky, I've got three seconds. So I, I managed to get him in a headlock and get a half Nelson on him and, and controlled him. And then I said, all right, Gage, I don't want to hurt you. Let's, that, we better stop now. I'm going to tell you what. This jar of clay feels more fragile every day. Anybody relate? We have a treasure, folks, but our treasure are in jars of clay. And we're living in a culture, a generation right now, where we absolutely don't get that reality, I think. And and that's not necessarily derogatory or critical. And when I say generation, I don't mean like the younger generation this time. I just mean all of us, we just... 
we're blessed, so blessed with health and so blessed with strength and so blessed with so many things that we don't get that. There was a song put out about, I don't know, three, four, five years ago now. I want you guys to see this and listen to this. Um, that just kind of speaks to the heartbeat of what I'm saying tonight. We're, all, we're, we're not the jars of clay generation. We're the Superman generation. Listen, listen to this. Look at this with me if you would this morning. Superman generation. Super, did you catch that line? Superman got nothing on me. Now look, let's be honest. I'm not being critical of that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not. I mean, which of you guys when you were 16, year old, 16 years old didn't want your girlfriend to feel that way about you, right? Which of us guys as men right now don't want our wives to feel that way about us? I'm not being critical of that. I'm just saying that is the reality that we have become. We, we are not a jars of clay people. We are a superman. He ain't got nothing on me. Now, to be all completely honest and, and upfront about this, it, it's, there's a reason for I mean, we're living longer than we ever lived, healthier than we ever lived. I want you to watch this with me, and you're going to see, see what I'm talking about this, 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 this morning. Um, we are the Superman generation. Check, check this out, and you'll see why we feel that way. I'm going to tell you, Mike Tyson is 54 years old, my age, getting ready to step into the ring and fight a professional fight. Did you see that guy? 54 years old. Do you understand why we're the Superman generation or we feel that way? Did you, did you see that? Did you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'm going to tell you what, if I was going to look like that when I was 73 years old, I would be praying, God, let me get older faster. Right? <laughs> 73 years old. Bob, by the way, when I looked at him from the back, when he was bent over and he was getting up from the back, and all I could see was that black hair, I thought, that looks like Bob. <laughs> it did, did. It looked like Bob. Then he turned around, Bob, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Clint Eastwood, the guy is 90 years old. I can understand why we feel the way we do when we look at the world around us and our health. And, and, and we are the Superman generation, but God's word says, and the truth is, we're really the clay jar generation, just like every other generation. Our jars may last a little longer, but they're still fragile and they still break. He says in verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Now get this this morning, folks. Eternity, now get this. Eternity is God's. It's not ours. Be healthy. Exercise. Lift weights. Take vitamins. Eat right. Don't abuse your body. Do all those things. I pray you all live to be 104 and healthy with a sharp mind, but God owns eternity and we're all going to face it. And we've got to get that. We've got to grab that. Eternity belongs to God, not to us. And we are so much that, that Superman generation. And I think there's value. And this is what I really believe God was speaking to me to share with you today. Some of you have done this. Some of you maybe haven't. Maybe all of you in this service have. Maybe some of the next haven't. I don't know. But there is value. And this is going to seem weird. But there is value in that moment when you come to face to you come face to face with your own mortality. Right? There is value in that moment when you come face to face with the reality you're not going to live forever. I have had multiple times, I suppose, where that's happened to me. I mean, sometimes it happens when we stand at the casket of somebody we love. Sometimes it's, it happens when we stand at the casket. Usually it's not, it's not when we stand at the casket of our 
grandparent that is in their 80s or 90s that lived a long life because we think, okay, it's going to happen, but you know what, I'm 40 and that's so far away. It usually happens when we stand at the casket of somebody that's our age, or it happens when we open up Facebook or we open up uh, the newspaper and we realize... I, went, I graduated high school with them, and they're no longer here. They're, they died of something. It usually happens when we stand at the casket of somebody who was exceptionally young or in exceptionally good health. But there is, and, and it hurts, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not making light of it, but there is value in that moment in time where we face our own mortality. We come face to face with the reality that we're living in jars of clay, not Superman. About a year, two years after I came here, many of you will remember this, I got on my motorcycle, heading out of the parking lot, heading home uh, one afternoon. And and you know where I was going? I was going home. I was in a hurry to go home because I was going to get on my bike and go ride my bike so I could be healthy, so I could look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when I was 73. Okay, I made up the last part, but I was going to get on my bike and I was in a hurry. And, And some of you guys will get this. It was one of those beautiful, warm, sunny days and I was just feeling good. And I got up to the corner where the stop sign is and I come around the corner and I had a new motorcycle and I thought, man, I wonder if this thing can do 90. And I come around the corner and I got on, on the accelerator and it would really fast, really great. And, and it, was, it was just a, a, an exhilarating feeling. And I backed off really fast. I just, I wanted to hit 90. I didn't want to stay there. And I got it back down to where it needed to be. But I came up on this next little shallow curve. And for whatever reason, my head was somewhere else. It was in the beautiful day or it was in that I just hit 90 or it was in that I was going to go and ride my bike. But I hit this curve and I I just wasn't leaning right coming into it. And I started to fade off into the berm. And I can remember thinking, this is not going to be good. I can do two things. I can either just give up or I can try to just ride it out. I'm going to try to ride it out. And as soon as the front wheel hit that soft dirt, it it flipped the bike. I went over the top. And all I can remember thinking was I know there were at least two cars behind me because I pulled out in front of them. I mean, I had plenty of space, but I pulled out. I know there's two cars behind me. I saw two cars coming at me. But what really scared me was I could see I was heading toward an intersection where two roads come together. And as I went over the handlebars, I could see the big yellow school bus bearing down on the stop sign. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. My helmet hit about right here, so I must have gone over. I wish, this sounds kind of morbid now, and I didn't feel it at the time, but I wish somebody would have taken a video of this. Like, this would have been a great YouTube video. Where were you, you know? Nobody got a video. I want to see it. All I know is I had a spot the size of my hand on my helmet right here, and I think I landed on my face. I think when I came down, I was on my belly, and I think I remember rolling over, and I think I remember thinking at some point, well, goodness, the bus must have got stopped. (laughs) And I ended up in the hospital and bruised up and broke up and very fortunate. But I faced my mortality that day. I mean, I could die. I'm going to tell you this morning, folks, if you've not faced it, you need to. If you have faced it, you need to realize that it's not necessarily a bad thing because there are some good things that come out of it. Second Corinthians gives them to us. Paul goes on and tells us in verse 13, he says, We have the same spirit of faith, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. When you face your own mortality as a Christian, you ought to become thankful. There ought to be a moment of hope because this isn't all there is. 
It, it isn't the end. There is more than this. He tells us in verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with him, with Jesus. There ought to be something in the heart of us Christians, us believers, that says, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a jar of clay, and I'm fragile, and I'm going to break someday, and I'm not going to be Superman, and I'm not going to live forever, but it's okay, and I'm fine with that, because I have a hope and a promise, and my hope and my promise is in Jesus. Therefore, God, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. There ought to be in that encouragement because our jars of clay are not always just challenges physically. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's, it, it, it's other areas of our lives. Sometimes it's financial. Some things, sometimes it's things beyond our control that are just hard. And he tells us this in verse 16. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he goes on and he says, we're afflicted in every way. Not just physically, every way. But we're not crushed. Anybody here ever feel afflicted? You ever feel anxiety? You ever feel stress? We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. There is advantages to coming face to face with your own mortality because when I come face to face with my own mortality, I stop trying to make it happen on my own. I stop trying to do it by myself and I realize I need God. And with God, I may be afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed. Anybody here ever ask God why? God, I don't get it. God, I'm perplexed. I don't understand. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. And even in those moments, even in those times, even in those instances where I'm perplexed, and I'm saying, God, I don't understand, I still hold on to hope and not give in to despair because God is still in control. And listen, there's a lot of things in this world I don't know, but one thing in this world I do know is this, God loves me, and he wants the best for me. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. There's value in coming to that moment in your life where you come face to face with your own mortality. When that happens, we have a promise, and the promise goes like this. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. I check my retirement, my retirement account. At this point in my life, you know, maybe sometimes once a month, sometimes sometimes more often, oftentimes less often than that. But I check my retirement account. And Ruthie and I, because we, just the path of our life is gone, ministry's been a piece of that, and bivocational ministry for a lot of years, we didn't really get started saving for retirement until we were mid-30s, probably, um, at least on any significant level, and probably older than that before we really got ser- we were able to get serious to, to the level we should have been about it. So right now we're at a place in our life where we put a, of course we don't have kids anymore that are home, so that helps a lot. It's like we got to raise when our kids grew up and left home. So most of you all get that. It's, it's a beautiful thing. 
First week's like, Jesus, I miss him. Second week's like, Jesus, how did I live with him in the same house? I want you to come back. I enjoy spending time with you, but we got a raise. Woohoo! <laughs> this is beautiful. So we put a lot, we put a lot, we put a lot in everything we can possibly manage, we put into a retirement account trying to make up, up, make up for those early years. And I'm going to tell you, it'd be a lot more fun right now to not do that. Y'all get what I'm saying? It'd be a lot more fun to take that money out every month and stick it in an account and go on a cruise. It'd be a lot more fun to not put that money there but make a truck payment and drive a, a brand new truck. It'd be a lot more, it'd be a lot more fun to say, Ruthie, we're just going we're not, to, we're, we're not doing dinner anymore. We're just going out to eat every night. She's going, ew, that doesn't even sound good. But I don't do what I do now for now. I do what I do now for what's coming later. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what Paul says. For this light momentary affliction, this light time of going through some stuff, this light time of making sacrifice, this light time of being tired, this light time of being worn out, this light time of of giving up what you want to do is preparation for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I look forward to retirement someday, and I hope when I do retire I get to that place to where I can actually live a a life of relatively where I'm at now. I, I think there's a possibility that would happen if you know, if the world doesn't come to an end, and if it does, who cares? Um, but it doesn't compare to heaven. Y'all getting this this morning? You're mortal. You're jars of clay. Don't feel bad about that. Celebrate that, because what that means is what you're going through right now, when there's brokenness in your life, when you're dealing with stuff, when your body's not doing what it ought to do, when you get up and it hurts here, and it hurts here, and it hurts here, and it hurts here, and then it hurts places you can't even touch because you can't bend over to reach them anymore, right? When those things happen, don't, don't, don't feel like, God, I'm getting old and there's just no point anymore. It's not that. It's that you're going through light affliction now because the promise that we have, that promise in eternity, did, did, you, did you catch how Paul put that? He said, it is, it is eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's retirement like you can't even, in your wildest dreams, beyond your wildest capacity to imagine, imagine. It's retirement that doesn't go until you get too old and have to go into a home. It's retirement that is an eternity that goes on forever, that is with Jesus, that is with a glorified body. You know, I, I, I hear and I have heard a number of you talk about retirement and how it's not the golden years, how, how, you know, it'd be nice if you could retire first and then work last because when you're young, you've got a healthy body and you could go and do things and enjoy it. Anybody relate to this this morning? But I'm going to tell you, when you hit that place in eternity because you're mortal, because your jars of clay you're going to have a glorified body that'll make Arnold Schwarzenegger cry because he's so lame at 73 right there's value in facing your mortality coming face to face with your mortality Paul says this he says for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are are eternal, face-to-face with mortality. Let me just bring this to a, a, a close here with these last thoughts this morning. When we face our own mortality, 
you know, I've, I've watched enough people do this. I've lived enough life now to watch enough people do this to know that we all react a little differently. Some people, some people put themselves in bubble wrap. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying? When they realize there are jars of clay, they become super careful about everything. Don't live life. Don't take a risk. They wrap their life in bubble wrap, and they just try to hang on and survive. That's not, that's not really a good answer. Other people go the other way. They're like, you know, I'm not going to live forever anyway, so I'm going to really enjoy today, and I'm going to do all kinds of stupid, crazy things. That's not really a good answer either. So let me tell you some things that maybe coming face-to-face -face with your mortality does make sense. Let it inspire you. I'm going to tell you, when I was a young man, I prayed for my family, I prayed for my friends, I prayed for my kids. But when I came face to face with mortality, and I gave you the motorcycle accident, but it's been a process. That wasn't the moment where I woke up and realized I'm going to die someday. I mean, it, that was just not a good day. But the more I come face to face with my mortality, the more sincerely, diligently, and passionately I pray for my kids. You understand what I'm saying? Because listen to me, if I'm a jar of clay, do you know what that means? My babies are jars of clay too. I caught Dempsey this morning. He is four weeks and a couple days old this morning. So I, I said, Austin, give me that baby. I got to go. Give me that baby. He's like, Dad, I didn't sleep last night. If you want that baby, you take that baby. <laughs> He's like, that ain't a problem. So I took Dempsey and I walked around with him a little bit and played with him and talked to him and prayed over him. Fellow baby's a jar of clay. You understand what I'm saying? When you come to the realization you're mortal, it makes you, it inspire, let it inspire you. I think it does. It inspires you to pray. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for your friends. Pray for the people in your life that matter for you because they're jars of clay just like you are. And, and you know, every parent expects to outlive their children as, as, as we should, but they're jars of clay and you just don't know. And don't just pray for, pray for their safety. You know, I pray for my kids' safety, but you know, even more than that, I pray, God, for their salvation. Because I want them safe, but more than I want them safe, I want them saved. More than I want them safe, I want to know that they're going to heaven. I pray for my grandkids, the same thing, who are still, you know, especially Dempsey at an age, just trying to figure that out, make that decision, not, not even being aware. I pray for their safety, but I pray for their salvation. And I don't think, I think there's a level of passion and a level of an intensity and, a, and, a, and a, a level of prayer that happens when we come to that realization that nobody's living forever. There is no guarantee of the next breath, let alone the next day, let alone the next year. And I think God gives us that reality. We, we read it when I began this sermon this morning. We have this, we have this treasure in jars of clay because God controls eternity and he doesn't want us to ever think that it's us that controls eternity. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Let the reality of mortality, the jar of clay, let it inspire you to pray for those that you care about. But also, let it inspire you to be somebody's difference. That was, a, that, that was our theme a, a year or so ago. Be somebody's difference. It's not just your kids and your grandkids and your best friends that we ought to be reaching out to, but that treasure that you have, that treasure that I have, look for those opportunities, even can I just go this far? Even pray, God, give me those opportunities to be somebody's difference. And the biggest difference you can be in somebody's life is tell them about, about the treasure that you have in your own life. 
Live out that treasure in front of them. Let them know that there's something different about you. Let them know that there's a peace in you that, that has nothing to do with your 401k. Let them know that, yes, your body is breaking down. Yes, your body is getting old. Yes, you got hurts that you never hurt, had before. But you still got a joy in your heart because you know where you're going. There's something to be said for facing your own mortality, being face-to-face -face with that reality. I'll bring this to an end this morning with this question to you. Where is your focus? Where's your focus? Is it on the eternal? Or is it on the transient? That's a really important question, folks. Where's your focus? Do you think more about God? I've only got so much time here. What can I do for you? Or do you think more about how can I make another dollar? You want to know where your focus is? It, you know, it's, it's been said, look at where your time goes, look at where your money goes, and I think that's a great way to figure, always figure that out. But I really think that's the question God would have me ask you this morning. Look into your own heart and ask, where is my focus right now? And, and I'm going to tell you, it will change over time. We've all seen and maybe even all been that young Christian that is passionate for Jesus, that God, you've done something incredible in my life and I am so excited to serve you and the weight of sin being gone feels so good. We've all seen and maybe all been that Christian. But it's really easy over time to let that focus drift and our focus come back to what's going on in the right here and right now. Now look, we've got to work jobs. We got to take care of our kids, our grandkids. We got grass that has to be mowed. You know, we got decks that need to be stained, right? We got we got to live life. You got to buy groceries. You got to clean. You you got to you got to do all those things. Okay, so you can't completely take your focus off of the life you live in. The life that your your boss isn't going to be happy if he comes in and finds you praying when you ought to be working. He's not gonna he's not gonna get that. Rightfully so. But yet something in our life has a priority. It really is pleasing Jesus or pleasing my employer. And maybe the two aren't at conflict, hopefully not. But maybe pleasing Jesus is the more important. Where's your focus? Paul basically teaches us this. Don't sacrifice the great for the good. Don't sacrifice the eternal for the momentary. Don't sacrifice future glory for present gratification. I ask you to stand this morning. Will you do this for me? Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at? Where's your focus? Where's the focus of your heart this morning? Is your focus built around the reality you've come face to face with your mortality or is it somewhere else? Because this morning, if it's not on eternity and not on Jesus, then you need to make a shift because you're a jar of clay. And 
And I pray to God that every one of you have tomorrow, but we don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. And I'm going to ask you this morning before we pray and let you get out of here, is there anybody here that say, Pastor Barry, my focus has slipped. My focus has slid. My focus has shifted. My focus is not on eternity where it ought to be. And this morning, I want God to help me get it back where it needs to be. This morning, I make a decision. God, I'm putting my focus back on you. God, this morning, I'm asking you once again to help me zero in on on the things that matter in eternity. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and hold it there for a moment? And we're going to pray together. I see several hands across this place. Thank you for your integrity and your honesty. Yes. Go ahead and put your hands down. I'm going to pray this prayer, but I want you to pray it with me this morning in your words from your heart, okay? Jesus, I'm just going to ask you all to pray. I need you. And I want you to be the most important thing in my life again. Forgive me for letting you slip. Forgive me for letting my passion fall away. Forgive me. This morning, I commit my heart and my life into your hands. And I make you this promise, Lord. I will live my life 100% for you with your help. Now let me pray over you this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray over every person that raised a hand in this room. I know the attack of the enemy. I know the busyness of life. And I know what's going to come at them even this afternoon and tomorrow and this week. And I I just take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. We, We speak against that lie of the enemy and we rebuke it. And I pray, God, what your Holy Spirit right now is doing in their hearts. Lord, it will not fall away. It will not trickle aside. It will not wear off. But God, in the morning, when they get out of bed, tonight as they go to bed, God, you will do something special in their heart. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Remind them of the commitment they made this morning at this altar. Remind them. Remind them of what they used to be. Remind them of the day they were passionate for you. Remind them of the promise they made today. Lord, I pray when they get up in the mornings as they look in the mirror and they face themselves, they'll face their own mortality. And God, I pray this this morning for every one of us and, and starting right here on this platform with me, help us put our focus on eternity and not let it go anywhere else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Appreciate you. Love you. Have a good afternoon. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor@indy.rr.com.